it's content over design. So design does not come first. The content does. The story, what is it about? And it's, it's for me, it's very simple. Uh, the mistake that most people make is they talk about themselves. They, the, the website, while it is about you and your business, you want to frame it from the customer's eyes, right? So you're talking to the customer about them. You're not saying like, hey, my name's Bob. I live near a mountain. Here's my dog. Uh, you know, I do this, I do that. You're saying like, here are the problems that you're having with your business and here's how I can solve them and here's how they'll make you feel. Uh, that's literally the formula right there. All the messaging. So starting with the content, it's like identifying the potential problem, how you can solve it and an emotional kick, how that solution is going to make your customer feel so that when your customer gets to the website, they feel like it's speaking to them. They don't feel like they're reading your autobiography or your resume. They're, they're reading something that's meant for them. And then once you have that story locked in, then you get the right imagery, the right videos, then you start designing it. So it all collectively comes together. But the most important thing I would say is to just make it about that ideal customer, that persona, that individual, you know, you just lock in, like, what is their job title? What is their age? What is their gender? What are they doing? What are they thinking? What are their problems? How do we just distill that into real simple verbiage so that when they get to your website and they're just skimming it because they don't know you, you know, they're ready to leave any moment. They're going to close that tab. You want to hit them real quick so they identify very, very quickly. And then once they understand, okay, there's, there's a lot of potential here, then they're going to dive in deeper. Welcome to this episode of Don't Just Survive, Thrive Online with your host, Jeremy Finkelstein and Becky Parmiter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Don't Just Survive, Thrive Online. I'm Jeremy Finkelstein, your co-host, and with me is my co-host, Becky Parmiter. Becky, how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, so I do have an update actually, which is pretty funny. Uh, so I was in my backyard. So just so everyone understands, I lived in Vancouver for 18 years and I've just recently relocated to the Okanagan. Um, it's in British Columbia. I'm living in a town called Penticton. It's basically like a desert here, um, a little bit different from what I'm used to. So yesterday I was in my yard and there was a giant snake that I almost stepped on and it scared the crap out of me and I ran away and my cat decided that it was try to attack it. Uh, my cat attacked my partner who tried to bring the cat away from the snake. Um, and thankfully it wasn't a rattlesnake, but we do actually have poisonous snakes here. So for the past couple of days, I've been walking around staring at my feet and thinking I'm going to see another snake. So yeah, that was something interesting that's happened. <laughs> you know what? I think that's a cool story because um, in previous episodes, you've talked about black widow spiders and now we're moving on to snakes. So um, I guess the fun never stops when you're living in Penticton, British Columbia. So, well, thanks yeah. for the update, Becky. Um, now, our guest today is uh, Bal Sieber from Modern Nerd. Bal is a web and mobile app designer. He's a digital nomad and he's also a remote work advocate. So we're super excited to have Bal on the show for multiple reasons. I think he's got a lot of insight and design, but also on being a digital nomad and what work-life balance kind of looks like for him. So Bal, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? 
Thank you so much, Chair. Becky, nice to be with you guys. Appreciate you having me. Um, your intro was correct. Uh, I'm a designer by trade, been doing it for a long time, over 20 years now. And in the last um, five, six years, I've been a full-time digital nomad, location independent, meaning uh, based out of Vancouver, uh, spend less than two months there a year, uh, essentially living out of Airbnbs and with different um, digital nomad communities. And I work for a company in Santa Monica, California, full-time as a freelance contractor. And I've just been doing that. It's been working for me. And uh, yeah, happy to answer any questions you have. Awesome. So just since you brought up the whole digital nomad aspect, why did you become a digital nomad? Like how did that become such a big part of your life? Yeah, great question. I mean, it's, uh, it's at it's at the very core at this point. Um, the way it came about was, uh, I think we can all probably relate to this, but it was just a feeling of dissatisfaction in my work and my life. Um, I was just one of these people that uh, my life revolved around my work. Uh, so we're looking at like six, six or so years ago. I'm a creative director. I've kind of worked my way up the ladder a little bit. I'm working at agencies. I'm in San Francisco at this time. And, uh, you know, just not, uh, just phoning it in. Um, like going to the same office, same people, wonderful company, wonderful clients, um, but really just that groundhog day of feeling like I'm missing out. You know, I've got four weeks vacation per year, rarely use them. Um, you know, my life is slipping away kind of thing. Uh, so me currently being a digital nomad was essentially sparked by recognizing that deep dissatisfaction and a desire to be location independent, just uh, relating that happiness is related to freedom and freedom is time and location. Yeah, that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, and actually one interesting thing that I saw on your website, everyone's always talking about a work-life balance, but I've noticed that you're actually taking a different framework when you're thinking about that. So you're actually looking at integrating your work into your life. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of touch on that and explain what, what is the difference between a work-life balance and integrating work into life? Yeah, hundred percent. I think this is, you know, teach their own. Um, I've found that instead of thinking of work as something where you clock in and then you put on your work face and you go to work and then you clock out and then you do your personal life, uh, the more you can just mesh those two together. And I think it takes a certain personality for this. Uh, I'm one where my, my career, my work is just so integral to who I am. I can't really separate it. Um, so I just kind of live and work and live and love and play and work and live and love and play and work like it's all just one and the same um it's kind of like the opposite of this deferred lifestyle where you work 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 and then one day you'll retire it's kind of like let's just mesh it all into one so i'm all about enjoying my day while i'm working um and any time that i feel like i I'm, I'm not enjoying myself. I mean, work is work. It's always, there's always challenges, but if I feel like I, I'm not digging this, like this is not where I want to be or what I want to do, I'm looking to optimize it and adjust it. Maybe it's less meetings. Maybe it's fewer deadlines. Maybe it's working from a different 
place, you know, maybe this particular co-working spot or this Airbnb or this restaurant and cafe is not my speed. I'm just always kind of thinking about how do I make my life and my work one and the same and together they are awesome. Yeah, I love that. I really do. And I think, I think, um, you know, you're right that it's going to be something that's to each their own, but I think everyone can kind of use a little bit of what you've said to kind of, you know, think about the way that they're working, because you're right. If you're, if you're going to work nine to five or whatever, you know, whatever your hours are and you're sort of putting on that work face and then you're leaving and going, doing other things at night and completely, you know, trying to separate your identity from that person that you are during the day, that's, it's a really difficult process. And I think a lot of people struggle with that all the time. Um, the other question I had for you, Bell, actually, was because I know you're in Tulum right now. So, is there a really big co-working community in Tulum, and why have you chosen that place specifically? Tulum, I just love Tulum. Um, it's it doesn't have the best infrastructure. Uh, there are better digital nomad expat uh, towns and cities in Latin America and South America, uh, and I usually recommend to new digital nomads to actually find one of these hubs. Uh, Playa del Carmen being one, Puerto Vallarta, Medellin, Colombia. Um, Tulum would not fit that bill, but uh, I'm here with my wifey and we like Tulum because it's got a holistic and health and healing subculture to it. Um, so if you if you roll in for the weekend, you probably won't see it, but there's actually like a really strong community of holistic healing people that are on a journey to to um, better themselves and really connect with their consciousness. And that's what attracted us to this place. And we felt like it was just a, a, an area where we could grow some roots and hang out during these pandemic times. Um, and it has one co-working space. Uh, we're literally situated uh, like a couple blocks from it. That's how we chose where what part of town we live in. Um, so yeah, it's burgeoning, um, but it's, it's really th that subculture that kind of holistic healing subculture that drew us in. So Bal, um, you mentioned that you're currently working virtually for a company in San Francisco. So I got a few questions here. One, is that whole company virtual or are you the like one of the only people that are kind of working virtually? Um, the entire company is location independent. It's entirely distributed. They're actually based out of Santa Monica, California and they they are 100% remote. They are very. They're called Theorem. They're a engineering and product firm. Uh, that means they create uh, enterprise level B2B software. So that's not the sexy stuff. That's not the consumer facing stuff. That's the stuff that's behind the scenes that powers the infrastructure of massive brands like AT&T, Apple, First American. These are some of our clients, um, and they are huge proponents of my lifestyle. Um, and what I do, everyone, literally everyone at the company works remote. Um, so they're pioneers in the space. They've been around for over 10 years and they essentially, their intention is that they want the best talent they can possibly get. They don't want to be confined to a five mile radius from a specific location. So they hire from anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, I love that. It's, um, I think a lot more companies are actually starting to, you know, go that route just because the overhead is a lot less. And I think especially during COVID, people have realized that they don't actually need to be in the office to be productive. Um, and I actually noticed, so there, the most recent post on your Instagram, you, you had a post where you were talking about how to stay focused. 
um, when you're working remotely. And you sort of separated that into three different categories. So you had your goals, your targets, and your accountability. And I think that what you said on this post is great, but because everyone's not following you right now, hopefully they will be after this podcast, but I thought maybe if you could touch on each of those areas, just to kind of, you know, for those people that are thinking about working remotely, how do you stay focused? Yeah, there's a lot of, um, tips and tricks. I could, um, fill up an entire book with, um, all the life and travel hacks to being successful as a remote worker. It's, it is uh, very challenging as someone that worked in an office for many, many years. Uh, you're basically replicating that office life, but on your own. And of course, one of the beginning challenges is how do you, without without the the pressure of anyone watching you or seeing you at your desk, how do you like get into the zone every day, stay in the zone, actually produce and do that uh, as a rhythm and a routine um, as your life's work. Uh, so the post that you're talking about, um, these are pretty basic. They're, these are like foundation. I would call these scaffolding tips for staying focused. One is just have targets, just daily targets, meaning like when you sit down and you're thinking about your day, what do you want to accomplish that day that is going to make you feel like you had a successful day? Simple, simple, right? Like that goes without saying, but think about how many times we sit down in the morning, we just start working. And we're not even thinking about actually there's no intention. So if you just have like a daily target that in itself gives you something to accomplish that even if you clock out early, clock out late, if you have a rough patch, whatever it is, as long as you accomplish that, you hit your target and you feel good at the end of the day. Uh, meaningful, meaningful goals. That's the other one that that's a, that's a bigger picture one. That means you want to have life goals, right? Like, what do you want? Do you want to buy property? Do you want to buy crypto? Do you want to uh, become a digital nomad? Cause you aren't yet like, what, what are your big goals and how is this laddering up to those goals? Um, so that helps you get through that minutia, you know, that kind of um, not so fun work that needs to be done is just always considering these large goals and understanding what you're doing today and how it relates to that. And then the third one is uh, accountability. This seems basic accountability, but I'm not talking about uh, posting on social media and saying, hey, keep me accountable. We're talking about collaboration. Um, this is something, especially as designers and creative people that we have a tendency to make an island out of ourselves. And it's, we're even more apt to do that when we work remote. Um, so like really just creating every project that you're working on, make it, make it a shared project, uh, bring other people into it. Even if you think that it's going to slow you down and you're faster if you do it by yourself, because simply sharing it with someone that provides um, that provides gratitude, that provides connection, and it provides accountability. You're that you have someone else that's counting on you, uh, and you're counting on them. Um, so it's not always about shaving seconds off your lap time. Sometimes it's about it goes back to enjoying the journey and enjoying every day. Uh, the more you can make it collaborative and social, the better, and that provides accountability. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I mean, especially for someone like yourself who is so isolated that one of your go-to ways is basically collaboration and bringing other people into the mix. So I, w I wanted to ask you about your job because, you know, you've been a digital uh, nomad for a while and, you know, I've been following your journey. So I understand you, you had a different company before, like you were doing more freelance type work and then you started to create your own business. 
And then it seems you've shifted again, and now when you go to your website, it's more digital nomad focused, and now you're working for this other company. So what what, what does it look like for you when you're trying to, to find the right projects or the right job, and like, is the job you have right now the right fit into that work-life uh, balance? Yeah, 100%. I basically found the right company. Um, so rewind a little bit to when you asked me, like, how did I become a digital nomad? So like five, six years ago, when I started that journey, when I was having those feelings of like, I'm not happy, I basically took the dive. I just quit my job. Um, I got a three month contract and I just went from there and I didn't even know if I could do that remotely. So I just figured it out as I went and that just went on for a few years and, you know, it was challenging in in there was wins there were losses and then about two years ago um this company called theorem the one that i mentioned the one that i currently work for they hired me to rebrand them um so they this was a yeah this is just i had worked for nokia it's like anything right you build relationships you build a reputation before you know what people are asking you to do things um so they hired me um i started working for them as a contractor and um, they were just such a great company. Like I, of all the companies I worked for as a remote freelancer, none of them were truly remote. They would put up with having a remote consultant. Um, you know, they were willing to have a remote consultant, but they weren't actually that distributed organization in terms of their DNA. So this company, the firm that I currently work for, they are, that, that, that is part of who they are um they're really really challenging like they forced me to get better um they're actually like you know when, when my work was mediocre or just like not cutting it like they would let me know and that really kind of like scratched an intrinsic part of myself that was like okay these guys are pushing me harder to become better um so fast forward a year our contract is over um i take some time off and then we're just kind of like hey like you want to put a ring on it or what? Let's do this. Um, and yeah, and we just joined forces and I've been with them ever since. So I have one, I'm, I'm still a contractor, but I have one client and it's basically like an employee employer relationship. And it's because they're just such an amazing company that for me, it's, it makes more sense to have just like one big client instead of like a bunch of little ones. Yeah, so I actually can relate a little bit, not so much on the digital nomad side, but I worked uh, remotely pretty much my entire career. And I had a job working for a company in San Francisco called Sweet Rush, an e-learning uh, kind of an agency. And everybody there was virtual. They had a design team in Costa Rica, they had developers in the Ukraine and other parts of the world and stuff. And I was living in Whistler and then I moved to uh, Vancouver, but I was still working I would say like a nine to five job, like even though I was working from home. So do you have that freedom that you're kind of, you know, indulging in when you're living as a digital nomad or do you still have to work like those nine to five hours? I mean, I spend most of my day on the beach with a mojito. Um, I'm kidding. I'm joking. A lot of people think that that's uh, what what my life is like. I know, I know. I, I would love to paint that picture. Um, if you want to believe that, that's great. Uh, reality is um, I have a ton of freedom around my time, um, but I'm most comfortable when I'm in a 
like just a working environment um, with the, the proper equipment. Um, I rarely work from fancy restaurants, despite what my Instagram might tell you. Um, I'm usually in my co-working office or here at home. And uh, I, I do have like working hours, but they're for me. Um, the company theorem, we have people in, in many different time zones. So it's all, it's all about overlap. Um, and it's all about just extreme ownership, right? So we hire people that have a consultant mindset. If you're one of these people that is just kind of like, um, I'm going to lay back and you just tell me what to do. You're not going to cut it at this company because, um, you, wh- who, who's going to tell you what to do. You have to be able to step up. You have to be proactive. We use Slack as our virtual office. That is the equivalent of like kicking it with Jane at the, you know, near the coffee machine or whatever, like th- that is where we hang out and there is no set time for me, but for my personal routine, what I've found that works for me is I basically just get into it right away. So like I get up around 6 a.m. around by seven ish, I'm, I'm on it and I'm getting my best work done. I have a smattering of meetings, which always kind of like makes my day a little bit like who knows how it's going to go. Um, but I like just getting, getting the bulk of my work done early. So if I do it correctly, I can clock out around two, three, 4 PM. But basically when my last meeting is done, I'm done. Uh, and then I get a nice block of personal time where I can work on personal work. I can work on more, uh, work for theorem. I can do whatever I want. Um, so that's how I handle it. But I've, I've experimented with everything I've experimented with, like working for two hours and then like going and hang out for two hours and like this kind of thing. Uh, but that's what works for me right now. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I was, I've been listening to a lot of what you've been saying, Bella, and something that Jeremy and I have talked about with people on previous podcasts is, you know, sort of like starting with that foundation, starting with the why, like, why are they there? Who are they? What do they value? What do they appreciate? And sort of building their brand on that. And it's really interesting how, you know, when you're talking about everything that you do, and you're talking about your values, and why you're a nomad, and all of those things, um, it's really the same thing, right? Because it's, you've sort of made your integrating your work into your life. And I think um, that's really good advice too for small business owners when they're thinking about why, what their purpose is and why they're starting their brand in the first place. Is there any advice that you could give um, to small business owners just around that topic? So, you know, again, just like integrating that, the work into their life. Yeah, um, great question. And what I often say to this question is um, think of your life first then build your work around that. So if we're talking about like vision board, we're imagining our ideal life. We, we think about what that is. Where are you? Who's around you? What's the environment like? What's the weather like? What is that lifestyle that you want? Envision that. Now that's your primary goal. Now create your business, create your work around that. What most of us do, and I was guilty of this myself, is we we design our lives around our career, right? We get the job, we, we get the career, and then we create our life to match that. So what I'm suggesting is you flip it. You start with your life. You, you design your life to be as ideal as possible, and then you craft your career or your, your business around that. 
and it's it's a reverse but i think it's incredibly important and that's what comes back to the like when you do that life work work life same same yeah no i agree and i was having a phone conversation with somebody a couple of months ago and we were actually talking about like what we really value is it that we want to make a lot of money is it that we want to have a family we want to have this big house or is it that we want to yeah i mean i want some of those things but what what actually kept coming up in these conversations was that what i really valued was helping people and helping build purpose-driven businesses and helping people who you know need some direction and sort of need somebody to amplify their voice and when I started really thinking about that I realized that you know because I'm a I'm a contractor too but having a whole bunch of clients that are just doing one-off things is really great if you want to build a massive income but I'm never going to feel fulfilled if I keep doing that so I really like what you're saying about this is your life and you build everything around that and then everything aligns nicely yeah I think that's yeah it does I would also add to that um that I am a proponent for making as much money as possible. It is the, the, the oil that lubricates our lives. And to your point, like I want to have as much impact as possible. I want to affect people and mm -hmm. I, I want to be fit for service. And for me to do that, it's the whole analogy of like, you know, you put on the mask first before you help the other person. Like yeah. I, I need to have a strong base. And when my, base is strong when i'm making a lot of money and i have a lot of business coming through me i'm hiring my friends it's it's wow. getting spread around and i'm attracting this community of like-minded individuals um so i a hundred percent agree with that i would also say that i uh i have no shame in trying to make as much money as possible because i i feel like a lot of good comes from that, yeah <clears throat> absolutely yeah i, I think what you're saying is so insightful. And I really like the way, Becky, you brought up kind of that segue or that twist into branding itself. Because at the end of the day, you know, Bal, you definitely have a personal brand and we all have a personal brand. And I feel like based on everything you're saying, you've tapped into that. And maybe it took you a while to get where you are now, but I feel like now you have something that can be put out into the world and other people can learn and benefit from it. You know, someone listening to this or somebody watching a video similar to this you know they may want to be a digital nomad they may want to travel and work and live that life and you are a perfect amazing example of that not just because of the money that you're making the job that you have but i think also because of your habits and your practices and your holistic approach to this and that leads me to another question that i wanted to ask in that do you have specific practices that you do on a daily basis just to help keep you grounded just to help keep you aligned with your goals your vision and so on yeah, um, I, I am human and I definitely go off the rails. Um, like I think many creative people, I have a habit of getting in, in the cave zone, you know, especially um, as if I have any downside, it would be that I tend to default to work as the main priority and health secondary. Uh, that would be something that I'm working on is putting health first. Um, not taking it for granted, uh, making it the number one priority. Um, I just get so damn into my work. I just can't help it. I forget everything else, nothing else exists. Um, so these days to answer your question, um, I really just center myself. Like I feel like it all starts with breath. 
there's no question like breath is the beginning of it all. You control your breath, you control your mind. When you control your mind, you understand, um, you know, where your impulses are and you can discipline yourself and willpower becomes something that you can control. Uh, so it starts there. It starts with, um, with breath and that leads to movement. Just again, like I know I look like a healthy guy, but uh, I have spine issues from spending my life sitting in a chair, you know, like there's, um, there's, there's problems there. So just, just moving, activating that spine, keeping it moving uh, throughout the day, the way we were intended, meaning our paleolithic ancestors that did not um, sit down for eight hours a day, they, you know, were generally moving. Um, I would say, uh, just focusing on my breath, number one, and then and keeping movement as a base. I'm not even talking about exercise. That's a separate thing. Like going to the gym, yes, but like just moving in a, as a way of life. Totally agree. And I'm so aligned with that. I start my day, not every day, most days, my morning routine consists of breath work. It's the first thing that I do and it leads me into a meditation. And I've been tapped into breath work, I would say, over the last year through a community back in Toronto. And it's changed my life. It's changed my life in so many ways. But the most impactful is the way that it's taught me to deal with stressful situations as they come up through my day. You know, I could have somebody, um, a client, for example, and we're getting into an argument and they're saying things. And this is a real situation that's happened to me. And they were saying things to me that, you know, were triggering me. And I could feel myself getting heated. And all I heard is this little voice and just breathe and I remember taking in breaths and I remember breathing through the situation and the way I responded was like nothing that I've ever done before in the past I would always react to situations and I was actually responding to it and you hear that expression a lot respond versus react and I can tell you that breathwork has honestly like changed my life for the better so I can totally uh, relate to what you're saying and I think that it's, it's a practice especially if you're you know, for anyone, but even more so, like you said, if you're isolated and you're working from home and you're and you're by yourself, like these are little tips that, that can really make a difference in your life. So I appreciate what you're kind of saying. So I, I would like to kind of now shift a little bit and talk a little bit more about design because you're an exceptional designer. You've been designing, I don't know how long exactly, but for I would say a good 20 years, you can probably you know, give us a little enlightenment on that as well. But I would like to get some insight on you, uh, more so on the on websites and, and design and how crucial it is to to a business and the credibility of that business. And also in, in the customer's buying process and, you know, how, how, how much of an effect does a good website have in the customer's buying journey? Can you maybe just speak to that a little bit and how you think design plays into all that? Yeah, absolutely. Um... I've been a professional, I guess, for 21 years now. A um, lot of lot of web design. Um, as you can see, it's important to me, my personal brand. I put effort into my own website. Um, I make that the hub of everything. Uh, and the and the reason why a website is so important to an individual brand or a medium sized brand or a large size brand is it is the it is the destination. Right, it's the one area that you control, and all the content that you put out, all of the pieces that accumulate to make your brand, they all lead to that one spot. The analogy that I think of is if your brand is a box of cereal and it's in the aisle at a grocery store, and your potential customers are walking down the aisle, 
they're going to they're going to pick up that box and what they see on the front is going to make them either put it back or flip it over and read the back right um and so like that cereal box that's a product or a service right that's like something that you provide the the website is almost like the end cap they call them end caps you know on the end of the aisle where you just own that space and you send out your message like this is your home so you want to speak to your audience you want to attract them right away you've got potential customers out there that don't even know that you might be the perfect fit for them you might be the solution to all of their problems so being able to speak to them in a very very clear way where they're instantly connected and understand like this is this is a relationship that I would like to build, i.e. flip over the box and read the back, right? Um, that th the website is the, the core component of that. I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, someone reach out to me wanting to hire me um, without having met me. Um, and the reason is because they've done their research. They just, they found me, they saw social media posts, they went through my portfolio. My website was just so concise and so detailed uh, that they felt a, like this, this person is, is right for me. They are my solution. And by the time we get on the phone, they're just trying to make sure I speak English and that I am who I say I am. Um, and that's the power of a website right there. It's your reputation. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And Jeremy and I, you know, we say that to all, we say that to each other all the time, but we're also repeating that to our clients constantly. Um, and I mentioned this before that we're always focusing on starting with the brand. But you said something interesting about, you know, if you have this amazing website that really does explain your brand or your product very well, um, then you'll attract people who didn't even know that you were there. So what are some of the major ways that you would actually recommend? And let's just think about a small business owner. So if they have a brand new website, let's say that they got you to design it and it's, you know, this beautiful website, what are some of the major ways that you think people can get their target persona to find their website? Yes. Um, great question. Very simple formula. It's content over design. So design does not come first. The content does the story. What is it about? And it's, it's for me, it's very simple. Uh, the mistake that most people make is they talk about themselves. They, the, the website, while it is about you and your business, you want to frame it from the customer's eyes, right? So you're talking to the customer about them. You're not saying like, hey, my name's Bob. I live near a mountain. Here's my dog. Uh, you know, I do this, I do that. You're saying like, here are the problems that you're having with your business and here's how I can solve them. And here's how they'll make you feel. Uh, that's literally the formula right there. All the messaging. So starting with the content is like identifying the potential problem, how you can solve it and an emotional kick, how that solution is going to make your customer feel so that when your customer gets to the website they feel like it's speaking to them they don't feel like they're reading your autobiography or your resume they're they're reading something that's meant for them and then once you have that story locked in then you get the right imagery the right videos then you start designing it so it all collectively comes together but the most important thing i would say is to just make it about that ideal customer that persona that individual, you know, you just lock in, like, what is their job title? What is their age? What is their gender? What are they doing? What are they thinking? 
What are their problems? How do we just distill that into real simple verbiage so that when they get to your website and they're just skimming it because they don't know you, you know, they're ready to leave any moment. They're going to close that tab. You want to hit them real quick so they identify very, very quickly. And then once they understand, okay, this, there's a lot of potential here, then they're going to dive in deeper. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. Um, and it made me think about something. So Jeremy and I have been talking about the about page and how a lot of people neglect the about page when it's really such an essential part of a website. So when you're talking about speaking directly to the client in the content, what would you recommend for an about page? Because that can get a little bit awkward depending on, you know, if you're talking about yourself, but you're talking to them. So what, what are some tips that you could give some business owners for the about page? Yeah, and I hope these tips align with uh, your recommendations for your clients and customers. Um, but I tell them to make it uh, relevant, basically. Uh, the purpose of the about page is to get uh, the visitor to contact you. Essentially, if they're on the about page, it's because they're interested enough that they're, they're basically trying to figure out if they can trust you, right? Like that's what's going through their mind. Um, and they're thinking about contacting you. So the entire purpose of that page is to funnel them towards that contact button. Uh, so you make it personal, authentic, but keep it relevant. Um, do we care where you went to school? Do we care like, you know, like how many pets you've had? Like just make sure that it actually makes sense to that person who's giving their attention and they're just mm -hmm. trying to figure out like, okay, what motivates this person? Why are they doing what they're doing? How did they get into this business? How many people have they helped? Um, what What is their North Star? You know, these things that will build a connection. It's almost like dating, right? Like you just want to like kind of like get build a relationship through that about page. And I agree, it's a fantastic page to build that relationship. Um, so my advice would just be to keep it super relevant to that target audience, that ideal customer. What do they want to know? Like how... how what are they thinking in that moment? It depends on your business, depends on what their problems are, how you solve them. So just keep it all about that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think that's really good advice. And there seems to be a consistency here as we do these episodes. And it always comes back to one thing, and that's the customer and knowing that customer. So what advice would you give to these businesses when they are starting out, like even before the content? Like what would be the first step to really honing in, like in your words, um, for tr trying to create something that is designed specifically for the, the customer. You know, I think you already said it. It's defining yeah. that customer, right? It's like, okay, let's imagine this customer is an individual human um, because that is helpful, right? So if you have to give that person uh, a name, an age, a gender, a, um, you know, uh, uh, alcohol problem, whatever, whatever you think that they have that helps you put them in your mind um, when you're writing. Um, I was kidding about the alcohol problem, but like you want to really understand like what is motivating them, like what, what are they like? So that when you're writing, you kind of like have this vision, this person um, dancing around of like, okay, there's Sally. Sally, um, you know, Sally, the, uh, the CFO for, um, I don't know, a telecom company that's a uh, hundred people or more, whatever, like maybe that's your target customer. However you identify that persona of what they are, uh, then you could just speak to them. So getting super hyper clear on that person. So you're not just talking ambiguously to a bunch of people. 
um, it's it's the whole niche niche down thing, right? Like st- mm-hmm. start small. Um, yeah. It's it's easy to like be like I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. We can solve that. But like just focus on one person, one problem, how you solve it. Start there. Speak to that person, and then you can always branch out. But better to start simple than add yeah. complexity. And, th- and th- it's such good advice. And like I said, it's been the consistent thing that keeps popping up. Just honing in on the customer and really just focusing on what problems they're having and how you can solve them. And the story that I like to kind of tell my clients is is that the business is actually the guide and the customer is the her- the hero in its own journey, right? And they're coming to your website. It's up to you to guide them in the right direction. And it seems to work really, really well when you take that approach because then you're not really making it about yourself. You're making it about more how you can help that customer or that user come and interact with your website. So again, I think that's really amazing advice. Um, I think we're kind of at the end of our time here, so I'd like to kind of wrap it up. Uh, if Bal, do, do you have any kind of final thoughts or insights you'd like to share with the audience? You could do so. Yeah, um, thanks for having me, guys. It's been great chatting with you. I really uh, encourage any of your listeners to pursue a remote career. I'm a big advocate in that area, especially if you're a creative professional. Um, I think it's just a foundation element. We are at our best when we are uncomfortable. And when we're staying in one place, we tend to get comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with getting comfortable, but being pushed out of your comfort zone allows you to grow both personally and professionally in ways that you you don't even realize until you do it. Um, So really just taking that risk, taking that step, um, just kind of like diving in uh, the level of growth that takes place. Um, it's, it's, I can't put a, like a, a number or a measurement, just all I can say is that like all good things that have happened in my life in the last several years have come from taking chances, taking risks and from just pursuing a life that is somewhat uncomfortable and enjoying that and appreciating that. Yes. Yeah, that resonates with me so much before we go, Bell, just because, um, and I know Jeremy was probably about to say the same thing, but, you know, this is something that, again, come up in conversations with everyone that I know is that, you know, I, I love the saying that sometimes good things have to fall apart for better things to fall together, but it, it's so true. Anytime I've been uncomfortable, anytime I've been challenged, anytime I've, you know, felt pain or whatever it is, it's always turned into something absolutely amazing. And it's forced me to really reevaluate where I'm at and what's important and to reevaluate my values and the people around me. So I love that advice. I think it's amazing advice. And, you know, even if you don't want to work remotely, I think just taking a look at what you're doing and making sure that it actually is what you want to be doing with your life, not what you want to be doing with your work. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, same. And I just love what you were saying about living out of your comfort zone. It's something that I've implemented into my life, especially the last couple of years. And I've seen huge, huge changes in my life, huge growth as well. And, And not necessarily, like you said, Becky, you don't have to be a digital nomad to do that. But you can step out of your comfort zone in so many different ways, whether it's quitting your job and becoming an entrepreneur, you know, whether it's having an uncomfortable conversation, whether it's starting a morning routine and starting to work out. If you, you know, there's just so many different ways to step out of your comfort zone. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. And I think we could definitely have a a conversation on that alone. I mean, Val, you definitely have have a lot of great wisdom in in your life experiences that I think... um, 
I commend you and like continue sharing them online on Instagram and on your website. And if people want to find you, do you want to give yourself a little plug just so they can find you, um, you know, your website or social media? ModernNerd.co, baby. ModernNerd.co. <laughs> That's two ends back to back. Modern Nerd. Um, originally started as a clothing brand in 2012 Ooh, and gradually right. morphed into my overall brand. What happened to that clothing line? Did it? Did it? I just, know that's what it, I'm wondering. I want. Yeah, that, it was cool. That, that, I remember the shirts now. It had the glasses and. Did yeah. You... No, it was great. Um, it sparked my love affair with um, content creation, and um, it was uh, profitable. Not massively profitable, but it was my first business attempt um, slash side hustle. And once I managed to make it profitable, I kind of learned what I needed to. And then I just had bigger fish to fry and moved on to the next thing. But I agree. I, I still miss that, that brand, that clothing brand. Maybe I'll bring it back one day. Yeah. You well, should. One, one thing for sure that people can learn from you is that you go all in. It seems like when you take something on, you go all in with it and you conquer it. But then you seem to move on. You seem to like, you know what I mean? Like you seem to be discomfort. Okay, I, I, once I, I, once I'm comfortable, then, that's yeah. it. That's the signal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to follow your journey and see where you go from here. But again, thank you for coming on. And um, I'll put Bal's uh, information in the description. So if anyone wants to check him out, we can do that. Otherwise, thanks guys for listening. And yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Jeremy. Later. Bye.